Welcome, everybody, to the In Off the Bench podcast. My name is Randy Jowers, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime and brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Tonight is episode 15, titled Winning is Fun. We are joined by Tennessee superstars Drew Beam and Evan Russell. But let's not waste any more time and get into the biggest interview in podcasting this week with our boys from Tennessee. Fellas, welcome to the show. Drew, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Evan, my man, you good? Glad to be back, man. It's going to be exciting. Well, let's talk about something. I want to go right back to the last episode you were on. You said, I went back and listened to it the other day, that you loved being the underdog. You liked when people didn't believe in you, and now you are no longer the underdog. You are the hunted. So with that being said, do you like being on top like that, or do you still prefer the underdog? Man, it's uh, it's a whole different mentality. And, you know, after uh, after this past midweek, you know, I, I don't I don't know if we've quite mastered it yet. But um, obviously, you know, people know who Tennessee is now and it's a completely different mindset than what we were dealing with last year. But, um, you know, it's a whole different mentality when it comes to coming to the field every day, because um, at this point, I think our talent level is, you know, at. at so high to where we don't have to we really don't have to play the best game every game in order to win you know I think we have um, a combination of of hitters and pitching and a pitching staff to where you know we we can go out and if our hitters aren't doing very well uh, on a particular day our staff can kind of step up especially like guys you know like we have on on with us like Drew Beam and whenever he's throwing like the way he is you know all we got to do is get a couple runs but you know, the, our mindset is um, unlike what it was yesterday, but if we just come out and play decent baseball, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, no, I just said I found it interesting because you said you really thrived on the underdog role, and I was like, y'all are anything but an underdog. Like you said, every everybody in the nation is talking about you either. You know, y'all are either the most loved team or the most hated team for, you know, what y'all do, but people, people get mad that y'all are having fun, but I'm going to let Randy get into that with y'all in a little bit, but speaking of being hunted, Drew. I read that you're a big hunter and a big fisherman, man. Tell me about your biggest kill catch. Give me a good, give me a good story. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'm a water, I'm more of a waterfowl hunter. So I don't, you know, I, I deer hunt every once in a while, but, um, I don't go bear hunting like Russell over there, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a big waterfowl hunter. So we got some property out in West Tennessee that we, uh, we, we hunt on all, all winter and stuff like that. So, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, good story. I'll just be, I mean, kill a limit with my dad, me, just me and him. And with like 15 minutes, we were back eating breakfast by, uh, you know, like seven o'clock. So that was, you know, real good. You know, good morning, nothing too crazy, but. Yeah, I think if I remember when we had Evan on before, Sean was the better of the two of you, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Evan? He, uh, he was a, he was a good fisherman, man. He, uh, he enjoys going out on the water, which I enjoy. I enjoy having a rifle or a bow in my hand and, and seeing what, what happens there. But uh, Sean, Sean can, he can reel in some fish for sure. And yeah, I don't do any hunting, but I, I fish myself. So I feel you. So Drew, man, your first time guest of the show, we've gotten Evan's story before. We don't need to hear no more about him until later when we talk all Tennessee baseball. Let's get your, let's get your backstory, man. Where are you from? 
Uh, I'm from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. All right. And so as far as family dynamics, man, what, what are we looking at? You got any siblings, uh, you know, your, your parents play sports. What's up? Yeah. So I got a 14 year old little sister. She's uh, her cheer team's cheer manager. So they just, uh, they just went and came in third nationals this year. So, so that was really exciting for her. And then, uh, yeah, my dad played golf at university of Tennessee, Martin, and then I played some semi-pro stuff. And then uh, he's a administrator for a, uh, surgery center now and then my mom works for our chamber of commerce back in Rutherford County so with your dad being the way he is at golf did he ever try to teach you the game of golf or do you play now I play I play every Monday now I'm not that good at it but but yeah me Kirby and uh another freshman JD we play every you say Monday. not very good we're talking like in the 80s 70s what are we talking uh usually just mid 90s I mean oh, I, I, can play, play. I can yeah. play with you then Drew Look, he's yeah, throwing like a fastball. I've shot a few. <laughs> I've, shot, I've shot a few uh, high 80s, mid 80s, but yeah, you know, we we stay around the 90, uh, 92 to 98 range. Don't we all? You hear me, Randy? He's just trying to stick like a fastball. He's trying to stay in the 90s. Oh, yeah. huh? There you go. <laughs> but uh, you know, so outside of uh, baseball, and you know, we're talking about a little bit about golf. Uh, did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played football all the way up through my senior year. And, uh, yeah, I was a quarterback and played football. I think I, I tried to play basketball one, once in middle school, and I wasn't any good at it. So, Look at that. Hey, Randy, man, a Tennessee baseball player who came on here and admitted that he was bad at basketball. You're, you're first, Drew, because every one of them claims they can hoop. We, like, we need a pickup game in the offseason to find out who can really hoop. So I'm glad, I'm glad you at least owned it. But uh, I did see that you were a stud quarterback in football, no doubt. With that, you know – baseball and football you play them both you know which one was your favorite obviously baseball seems to be your better one but was it your favorite of the two I loved everything about baseball practice you know games I loved all that but football I love Friday nights I, did, I hated football practice I like I could I could do anything other than football practice football practices were the worst so I love baseball as a whole better, but Friday night, there was, I mean, there's not much that compares to, you know, Friday night high school football, especially, you know, in our, my county, which is a pretty good football county. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I love baseball more, but it's hard to replace Friday nights. Yeah, no doubt. So, with that, we always like to ask, who was uh, your favorite athlete growing up? Who inspired you the most? Ooh, that's a rough one. See, I never really had that one guy that I really looked up to or really, you know, was it Evan Russell? Because he's like 35 now, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, I could have watched Russ when I, on TV whenever I was in first grade or something. But, uh, I mean, there really wasn't that one guy that I ever really, you know, watched too much. But the uh, one guy that, you know, I guess I could say is Zach Kozar. He played for the Reds. He was their shortstop and then ended up going to the Angels and played third base with them. But uh, he was a family friend of mine, so he was kind of the guy who I grew up watching major, you know, major league baseball for. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's really the only guy I really looked up to in a sense. I got you. I got you. So, uh, you know, we obviously know travel ball is a big thing. What travel team did you play for growing up? Uh, I played for Viper Baseball Academy. We were at a Huntsville, Alabama. And, uh, I mean, yeah, we were, we were pretty solid. And then, as far as, you know, you were talking about uh, those Friday night lights and playing baseball, what high school did you go to? I went to Blackman High School. 
Yeah, and I see, you know, right here, man, I'm going to rattle some stuff off. We always like to throw those accolades out there. As far as what you did and uh, your standout at Blackman in two sports, as, as, you know, we talk about, but you were rated the 239th player overall, number nine player in Tennessee, uh, three-time perfect game preseason All-American, 2019 Class AAA District 7 Pitcher of the Year, 2019 First Team All-Area Selection, Posted an eight and one record with a 0.15 ERA with 99 strikeouts. Uh, you know, man, just talk to me about how, you know, because obviously we're going to get into what happened, you know, in junior, senior year, but talk to me about that sophomore year because, I mean, those stats don't lie. Yeah. So, sophomore year, I preseason, we had one, our last preseason game, preseason scrimmage. Me and one other guy had one inning to basically prove to be the third starter. And I think I went out and, you know, struck out two and then got a pop up real quick and he kind of struggled through his inning. So I ended up getting that starter spot. And so it wasn't really, you know, something I was up until like, you know, opening day, I didn't know I was going to be a starter. And then, you know, had some good outings going. Uh, and it just kind of rolled when I never really expected anything to happen. I mean, kind of like this year, you know, I wasn't really expecting much of it. And then, we start. We got on a roll. We went on a little win streak there. We ended up winning. I didn't lose my first game until Substate, and, and that was a pretty rough game. But I mean, yeah, everything just kind of fell into place correctly, and you know, went from there. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, we've read off. We I don't know. You're probably I don't know, like our 60th baseball player on here. I don't think I've ever seen 0.15 ERA. I mean, that's a gaudy stat right there. And I mean, you're doing the same thing similar this year. Not quite that low, but I mean, you you dang near close. But, you know, we talk about that was your sophomore year, your junior and senior year, man. You had injury and then COVID, man. How tough was it, you know, battling through junior year and having senior year taken away with COVID and everything? Yeah, so my junior year, we started out, you know, we played five games and we went 5-0. and oh, And I think we gave up like three runs in those five games and scored like 50. I mean, we were – our team was going to be great that year. And for like two weeks after, you know, they shut us down, we, my team kept practicing. We went to like our local park, or whatever. We kept practicing and, you know, thinking that, oh, we're going to have this great year. You know, they're going to, we're going to come back from COVID. This is just something a little short thing. And then when we finally got that message that, oh, it's, it's completely over. And it was just kind of like a shock because I was the, I played with eight seniors that year. So they, those guys weren't going to get a senior year and I wasn't going to get to play with them. So it was kind of a shock to us that we weren't going get to get to finish that season. And then, so, you know, didn't get to play that year. Played a little bit of summer ball. There was some cancellations from it, but not too much. Just pre pretty normal summer. And then I get to senior year after football season, and I was, you know, starting to ramp up, long tossing and stuff, getting ready for the season, and, and felt the pop of my elbow. And mm -hmm. went to, you know, was hoping it was like tendonitis or something. Took a little, you know, a little time off, and then it popped again. So then I went and finally went and saw somebody. And then got a MRI, and within an hour of leaving the office, uh, I got a call back saying that it was torn, and I wasn't gonna be able to play this that my senior season, and it, it sucked. I mean, it was it was hard because my my dad just knocked on my bedroom door and came in there and told me, and I just like was lost for words. Like, what do I say? What do I do about this? But yeah, I mean, it it, it, it was a rough time. Well, it really speaks to, uh, you know, the adversity you fought through and the resilience. Obviously, Randy's going to get into to Tennessee with you. But with that, 
you know, with junior and senior year going that way, were you committed to Tennessee earlier than that? How, so how did you end up still uh, at the University of Tennessee, even with that going on? Yeah, so after my sophomore year of uh, high school ball, I think towards the end of that, end of summer was whenever the coaching staff here really started looking at me. And I got my offer uh, middle of summer between sophomore and junior year. And then I think two weeks later, I committed. So I'd already been committed. And then when the injury happened, uh, I called called Coach B that night and, you know, told him everything. And he was like, you know, it's all right. You know, get the surgery, see how things go. You can finish your rehab up here. So, you know, he was, he was you know, it helped, it helped me calm down a little bit whenever he was, you know, okay with things. I'm glad you brought up Tony V because, Evan, I got, I got a question for you, man. So I recently was watching a, uh, a little hype video coming into the series this weekend, and one thing that stood out to me was Tony V saying, we aren't here to take part, we are here to take over. Uh, you know, Jim, and you talked about earlier, uh, you went from being the underdogs to being, you know, kind of the hunted. But to hear, you know, you guys are a polarizing team. That's not a shock to anybody that's on this podcast, probably anybody that's listening. But when you hear words like that from Tony V, and that's probably – um, censored from the stuff that he says to you guys, but what does it mean to hear stuff like that for a guy like you that has helped build what you guys have become? Man, especially having younger guys, you know, like Drew Beam, like Chase Burns, uh, even Chase Dollander, you know, guys that are coming in and they don't really know what to expect. Um, if you don't have your leaders and your even your head guy um, basically fueling confidence into the team, um, there's going to be questions that you're always going to be asking yourselves. Like, do I really belong? Um, you know, going into SEC play, um, are, are we going to be able to do what we've been doing to non-conference teams? You know, examples like that. So, um, but to basically hear, you know, your head coach saying stuff like, we're not here, you know, to take part, we're here to take over. Um, it's basically installing or in, instilling into, you know, the younger guys um, what the older guys already know. Um, basically like my entire time here, I knew that this team was different just based on the arms. Um, I had seen teams like, uh, 2019 Vanderbilt, you know, those, those dominant teams I'd played against, I knew there was something different. And, um, I personally could see that this team was going to be the way that it was now. But, um, I think coach V saying things like that is what, uh, helped the younger guys, you know, get on board early. Yeah, no doubt. So for you, a lot has been talked about during the broadcast about you making the transition to catcher. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been some 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 I got to ask you, man. So there's one game in particular I was watching and then the guy says uh, Evan Russell hasn't caught since his sophomore year in high school. But then Jim and I on Facebook, you might have some family members and they kind of corrected him. He said that Evan only really caught one game even his sophomore year. So kind of is first of all, is that true? And secondly, how? has that transition been from starting left fielder, outfielder, to starting catcher? Yeah, so my whole high school career, I caught one game. Um, it was it was just a, a game to give, you know, I, I'd caught some bullpens and stuff to help out because in high school you don't have, you only have one or two catchers. Um, but but I got back there just mess around. But I ended up catching a game because our catcher needed a little break. And but I only caught one game in high school. Well, you need to you need to talk to the broadcasters because I hear it just about every game. They talk about you caught in yeah. high school. They they refer to it though. They don't say you caught one game. They said you caught in high school. Yeah, that that's false. Um, <laughs> for there to be any sort of 
um, you, you know, I guess experience and catching. No, that's wrong. This is this is the first year um, I've ever played the position, um, which I ca I came into freshman year and they tried to um, make me into a catcher. So I did some drills and stuff like that. But I mean that never worked out. Um, and there was actually a video of Coach V saying that you know I tried to catch um, and that wasn't pretty. I was going to bring that up, man. Tony V said some things, and it obviously is tongue-in-cheek, but he's made some comments about that, how that transition has been not only probably rough on you, but he might have made the comment that it was rough to even see the transition at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to lie, man. There, were, there was a lot of times where, um, you know, I was doubting if I really needed to even attempt this on my body, uh, if I was wasting time taking reps from, you know, other catchers that needed it. But, man, um, I, I just, I knew, I knew something in me. I, I had a learning mentality of, uh, truly wanting to, you know, give myself a chance at, uh, playing a, a position that, you know, is kind of a leader of the team and, and also giving myself a chance to keep playing, uh, at the next level. So, um, I, I knew that, you know, I, I wasn't going to be afraid of the hard work. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say that as soon as I started doing the position, it it was all great yeah. and all going. I'm going to tell the people I texted you remember, you know, right before Houston. And I said, man, I need you to hit me a bomb. And you said, man, I'm just worried about catching. <laughs> that's literally what you told me. Dude. And that's hundred percent the truth, man, that the entire fall, uh, I don't, I don't know if I even took a swing off the tee when it came to like working on hitting. Uh, I was, I dedicated hundred percent of my time to catching. And uh, I think it actually ended up being, you know, one of the better career decisions I could have made. No, I absolutely agree. So for you, obviously, transition's tough enough. You're taking over kind of a, you know, a Tennessee legend. Pavilone's a great, he's a leader of the team, as you talked about, and a great catcher. But not only that, you're coming into a lot of these new faces. Obviously, you got the freshman phenoms like Drew Beam, Chase, and even Dolander coming in. He's a new guy. Uh, and then you got to catch a guy that's throwing 104 miles an hour, Evan. So, I mean, you're not even – this transition didn't just – we're not talking about you're pitching against guys you played with and seen pitch. These are new guys, too, so you got to learn them, learn their ticks. And like we talked about with both the chases the other night and, you know, a little bit before we started here with Drew Beam is that the coaches are looking at you not only as a leader of the team to tell them, hey, is the command good? Is the stuff still coming in as strong? So, I mean, some of those guys might be side-eyeing you, Evan. How do you take that? Uh, man, I, I think all, I think all my, my entire staff, they know that, um, you know, I do anything for them and uh, I'm, I'm working in their corner and stuff. And, and I hope they do at least because I, I do try to um, build on the relationships that I have with each one of them. But, um, you know, I, I got to give Chase Burns and Chase Dawn to do a little little hard time because they don't help me out on the base passes too much. You know, they spent a whole inning talking about that with specifically with Dolander because they went back to that Baylor game where there were six stolen bases in one inning and they were talking about how long it takes for him to lift and deliver even when he's throwing a fastball. So they actually didn't blame you at all. They put it all on Chase. Yeah, man. And, and – what are you supposed to tell a dude that, that doesn't give up many base runners at all? You know, it's like, I mean, he, he's going to be, you know, pitching in the big leagues and uh, I, I just need to get out of the way. You know, I just need to make sure I get the ball back to him and keep the, keep the ball, the strikes in the strike zone. But no, those, those guys, man, they're, they're so talented and it's so, it's so fun to watch and it's so fun to be a part of because 
um, they're going to play for a long time and I'm going to be able to tell my kids, you know, I, I caught that dude and, and it actually went pretty decent for my first year. No, you've been great, man. But I got to ask you a question. So, you know, I caught a little bit playing travel ball growing up, but I, I got to ask, I've never caught a 104 mile an hour pitch. Is it harder to catch 104 or is it off speed pitch harder to catch for you? Cause I mean, the block in to me, that was always harder. Man, I, I'll tell you what, the hardest person, although people do ask about, you know, the 104 and stuff, and, and it is difficult. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy, but um, I'm not going to lie. I lose sleep uh, on Thursday nights before I catch Chase Burns. Uh, you know, Chase Burns is definitely the most difficult guy on the staff to catch. Um, and, and that doesn't take away from any of the pitchers. It just comes from the guy throws, you know, 98, 99. He's got a nasty cutter. Um, and, you know, he'll accidentally cut his fastball, um, you know, that that's 96 miles an hour and it's moving across the zone. So um, he, he's definitely very difficult to catch. But I'd say right behind him is uh, Ben Joyce. Yeah, no doubt. So obviously, you know, we've had a plethora of the, these talents, you know, Burns, Dolander, Blade, Seth and, and now Drew Beam. And you just talked about it, how you're going to be able to tell your kids that you got to catch some of these guys. But just, you know, for you. The transition we talked about, but how amazing is it for you this your first real year catching to have a staff like this? Man, it it, it makes me look a little bit better than what I am, to be <laughs> honest. Because uh, if you look at the walk numbers and the wild pitches and all that, you know they take care of me too. Um, you know, I, and I think that starts from uh, Frank Anderson wanting you know to have a staff that throws strikes no matter what. And you know, whenever they made decisions on who was going to be the Sunday guy. Um, that was probably the first thing. It was like, who was going to get out there and be composed and throw strikes? And, you know, they immediately thought of Drew Beam. So um, I, I think it just shows that um, it, it does help me that it's my first year to have guys that have such good command and such good stuff that, um, you know, I, I can kind of just sit back there and, and get lost in the reps and, and let them have all the, all the, or do all the showing. So what do you think? No, and you think they got the Drew Beam thing right? I think, you know, <laughs> the jury's still out. Now, we're going to get there in a second. But, you know, for you, it's one thing you just brought up about being composed. The one thing coming into this season, and everybody can talk now, oh, we knew Tennessee was going to do this. No, they didn't. Because preseason, they were not saying that Tennessee was going to be the number one team in the nation. They talked a lot about what you lost. And don't – we know this. You guys lost a lot of talent. But, obviously, uh, the one thing that stood out to me is the composure. Because you start to worry – when you come in, you don't normally see – this much composure from freshmen, uh, you know, from from Chase Burns to Drew Beam to the guys that are coming in, the composure has been. But I think to what you said earlier, having the veteran leaders like yourself catching and you got Gilbert and Jordan Beck and I think Luke Lipschitz is 39 this year. So you guys got a lot of veterans that are out there on the field with them. So, But I want to talk about you for a second. You talked about you didn't get a lot of a lot of tea time in the offseason, but, you know, batting 300, eight home runs, 28 RBIs, as far as at the at the plate, man, how do you feel about your production so far? Man, I, I feel like there's been a, a couple of times where uh, I've let some at bats get away from me when it comes to swinging out of the zone. But um, you know, I, I'm definitely hitting off speed better this year. I'm I'm taking my walks, and that was kind of my my main approach to the season was uh, I wanted to walk more than I strike out, which I'm right in the middle of you know of that being a thing. Um, but, uh, the end of my, the end of my goal, I, I think that as a catcher, if I can get on base and 
get some production out of my offense while playing, you know, good defense and taking care of my pitchers. I think we have a great chance of winning. How much harder is it at the plate being a now you're a catcher instead of an outfielder? Um, it's it's difficult, uh, especially. I mean, I, I the past couple of weeks I've been beaten up a little bit. I've taken some uh, balls off, some foul balls off my hands, and uh, my legs have kind of you know been draggy. But um, I will say the the mentality is a little different. Um, I don't have as much pressure, and I, I think I think that shows with some of the swings that I take that. You know, I'm kind of up there, you know, back to having fun again. And, um, you know, I, I'm able to kind of think in the mind of what a pitcher or what a pitching coach wants to call in certain situations. Uh, so I think that's kind of benefited me. But, you know, I've made jokes that if I was still in left field, man, I don't know if I'd be playing that much. I mean, we got, we got a lot of talent out there. And, you know, I would have to – I'd have to really keep, turn it on, you know, for me to start playing every day. No, absolutely. So one of the things in the lineup, you know, uh, you're, you keep kind of rotating five hole, eight hole, moving around. Uh, obviously, you know, for, for most of us want to bat in the top, but if you could pick one, does it matter to you where you bat? I mean, it's a stacked lineup. Does it matter to you? I'm a, I ain't going to lie, man. I kind of like the eight hole. What I tell you, Randy, got, your stats are better when you're back there. I said something to Randy the other day. I said, every time he moves up, he actually struggles. I said, when he's in the back, he kills it. Yeah, and, and, and man, I, I don't know – for me, my mentality is, oh, they're going to start, they're going to throw me, you know, more fastballs when in reality they don't, but I've convinced myself that they do. So therefore I'm ready for the fastballs and then I hit them, you know, but I think, I think for some reason I, I'm in the eight hole and I don't put as much pressure on myself and I do much better. Well, my, I could, uh, Randy, as I tell you, my favorite part was at, at Ole Miss game uh, with them when the, uh, I think it was Lawson that was batting in the nine hole at the time. Anyway, he steps up and he was batting like 458. And the old Miss man next to me goes, Good God. He goes, They're nine hole hitters batting 458. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there, There's no rest one through nine. No, absolutely yeah. not. So, Evan, we, we talked about it, you know, you being, you know, a veteran to the program and just what it's meant to build this. But, um, you know, you guys this season coming in, I, I know just talk, in talking to you guys, you believe that you could be special. And, you know, the jury's still out, right? You haven't accomplished what you want to accomplish. All the accolades are great. But for you to be a part of this program so long, how good does it feel to go into Oxford, sweep them, and then back that up going to Vandy, which, by the way, is my personal favorite. I don't like any of the Vandy fans anymore after this last weekend. Anyway, we won't get into my thoughts. How good did that feel for a guy like you? to have two sweeps like that on the road? Man, it, it is completely different than what it was whenever I first got, you know, to Tennessee. I, I remember going into Vandy my sophomore year, and we were we were hoping for one, one win. And, you know, we were we were basically we, – we knew that we were not talented enough to, to take the series, but we were just scratching and clawing for one win. And, you know, those times have completely changed um I, I, the whole mentality of going into Vanderbilt this past you know a couple of weeks ago was um I, I think I think everyone knew we were going to take the series but I think people had a pretty decent idea that we could sweep so um I, I think the first step is to be talented enough to do that but I think the second one is to you know have the confidence of being um you know able to go into a place and and um you know play play hard and you know, not give away a win because you, you feel like you, you should. But, um, you know, I, I think that the program being changed is, 
Um, I think I was just a small part of it. I think we've had multiple people come in and, and change a culture and, and the way that, you know, Tony B and, and Elander and all them, the, the way that they recruit, uh, I don't, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I got one last question for you, Evan. Obviously the game doesn't go your way last night, but talk about the atmosphere of going, playing in the Smokies, a minor league ballpark and standing room only setting an attendance record and what Tennessee baseball from a fan support standpoint, how that's changed for you guys from freshman year to now. Man, it is, uh, it's completely turned to 180 because uh, I remember my first, first two years, um, they were trying to give away tickets for free, just have people come. So uh, to see people, you know, eager to come out and uh, be a part of this and, and to see a team, you know, win and succeed, um, I think it shows, you know, the, the true testament of, of the Tennessee fan base, you know, that they'll back um, any sort of program. And, and they've been craving a, a winning team for so long that, that now Haven't that we got it, you know, they're, <laughs> man, it's been a long time, but now that we've got it, I think they're, they're ready to let everyone know about it. And, and as long as we keep that mentality with, with the fan base, I think, I think we'll win a lot of games. Listen, Evan, I said one last question. This is really more of a statement Then I got to get to our freshman phenom here, but I work with uh, several Ole Miss fans and I, obviously I've been a college baseball fan for, for as long as I can remember. And I was a Tennessee fan when it really wasn't a cool thing to be a Tennessee fan. Going into the Oxford series, he's like, man, you know, y'all are just a, a cool story. But, th you know, we got this tradition. I'm like, bro, y'all ain't even going to win a game. So I was insufferable. All the things that people actually say that you guys are that you're really not, that we know you're not, I was all those things leading up to the game, during the games. And at, when I came to work on Monday morning, oh, he knew. <laughs> he knew. But, Drew, man, I got to get to you. So you you talked uh, the the – you talked about how you had your COVID season, your injury season, and how what Tony V said to kind of put your mind at ease. But when you get to Tennessee, you get to Knoxville, what are your emotions? Are you nervous, excited? What, what was it like for you walking onto campus the first time? Yeah, so I, uh, whenever I came onto campus, it was during the summer for that uh, early summer session. It was just the freshmen. And I guess – you know, my first time being up here was just with it was with our old strength coach Q, and uh, he kind of set me straight because I again I gained a little weight from my uh, from my surgery, and uh, you know he made some jokes at me and I was like this is uh, you know this is gonna be a little wake up call, and so you know I had to put in a little more work than I was expecting to uh, when I came up here and it kind of you know got my mind on track that all right you know we've got things to work on we've it's just not gonna be a cakewalk. And that, uh, you know, this it's going to be a grind from here on out. No, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about, you know, the staff as a whole. And, and obviously, rightfully so, a lot of attention is on the weekend starters. But, you know, we talked about it too. The depth of your pitching staff is just – it's phenomenal, right? You got guys all up and down the bullpen and all that. So – but with Bladen Seth, along with the two chases, I mean, when you're coming in, you talked about not expecting anything – but what was your expectation coming in? Now, obviously, you're a Sunday starter, but did you did you didn't expect that coming in, right? No, I mean this year I was really uh, my hopes were to be a relief guy and just like try and get some relief innings on the weekend, maybe you know maybe compete for that Tuesday starting spot. But you know I never had you know the expectation of being a Sunday or a weekend guy. Obviously, that's you know was what I was striving for. That was a goal, but. This year, I wouldn't. I didn't see it as 
oh, that, that can really happen. And then, you know, the injuries and stuff happen and, then, you know, some opportunities open. And that's when you know, I was like, all right, let's take advantage of this. Randy, he's still under the radar. We, you know, we talked with the Chases about that write-up I did on Tennessee before the season. And, and I take pride because I, I picked you, you boys to be this good. But I will admit, Randy, Drew Beam was not in my write-up. I have to own that. So, I mean, it, it shows that, you know, I don't apparently either know what I'm talking about or you really did just come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So Jim rattled off some of your high school stats and I'm going to rattle off some of your, some of your college, man. And Drew, you're 7-0, 1.14 ERA, 36K, six walks, D1Baseball.com, midseason All-American, Golden Spikes Award, midseason watch list, the Dick Houser Trophy National Pitcher of the Week, Collegiate Baseball News National Player of the Week, SEC Pitcher of the Week, SEC Freshman of the Week, Pitcher of the Month for Dick Houser, SEC Co-Freshman of the Week, Man, so going in, you're expecting to relief maybe midweek, and then you had all the success. How do you stay grounded, and how do you stay focused and not let all these accolades kind of go to your head? Uh, I guess that's a big testament to my mom, probably. She, she's been, you know, she's always there to humble me, honestly, because she'll, uh, yeah, I mean, she just has her ways of humbling me, but she, you know, uh, man and her and the rest of my family are really faithful, so she always, you know, give glory to the God, give glory to God. He's the reason that, you know, I have my success. So, you know, just remember where I came from. And, you know, if you get too high on yourself, then, you know, that's just – you're just going to have a greater fall. And so, you know, stay level-headed, stay through it till the end. No, absolutely. One thing – I talked about composure earlier in the episode. One thing that stood out to me the most impressive, above all of your statistics that I just read off, is that you were recently talking about Blade Tidwell coming back. And you said that if he resumes his Sunday spot, that I'll gladly take a bullpen role. And, and to me, that speaks not only to your character, but it speaks to the culture that we were just talking about with Evan and what you guys are building in Knoxville. Tell us a little bit more about your mindset when you're saying those things. Obviously, I believe that you mean it, but is, tell us how you go through that. How do you come to that conclusion? Because you're dominating, Drew. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love, I love being the Sunday guy, but Blade's a great arm too. Great, Blade's, you know, he's proved himself last year. And, you know, I think everybody's got the same goal on this team this year is that we want to win. We want to go to Omaha and win and not just be a two and done. So if our best chance to win is to blade on the mound on Sunday and then me on the me out of the bullpen on some other day to, you know, get some late innings, get through late innings, get through the heart of the order, anything like that, then that's, you know, the best recipe for success. And so, you know, that's what I'm here for. That's what we're here to win. That's what everybody wants to do. So that's kind of my mindset on things like that. No, that's definitely, man. That's a testament to uh, probably your mom again, right? Keeping you grounded like that. So we asked Evan about the Vandy series uh, and what that meant from where these guys came from to where you guys are. But you, man, I'm uh, the most impressive pitching performance of the weekend, a complete game shutout against, you know, you guys rival in their house. Talk me through that game and what your emotions are like. Because one of the things that they talked about the other night, Chase Burns and Chase Dolander, was that it's not just if your command is good and your below is good. They're looking for if you're too hyped, you're too low. So talk us through that game and what it was like for you. Yeah, so the two nights before had been really cold. It was they were uh, – or they weren't too cold, but they were, you know, they weren't sunny and, you know, warm outside. And then, you know, we got to the field that day and it was feeling nice and, it was just a good day. I mean, everything had kind of rolled smoothly up to that point. 
And, you know, we went out there the first, like the first inning, I kind of had some, you know, lengthy, lengthy at bats and kind of drove my pitch count to like the twenties. And I was, you know, I was like, all right, you know, if I want to roll through this game, we're going to have to get some quick contact, you know, get through this. I'm not a strikeout pitcher. I know I'm not that, that kind of pitcher. I know my game. And so I know that my infield could play, you know, we're on turf. That's even better. And so I was like, all right, we're going to pitch the contact. Uh, Russ and coach a were, we were calling a good game there. So, I mean, you know, the whole time we were just walking through the game, you know, not trying to outdo myself or overdo anything, really. I knew they, you know, they liked the swing. And so we just, I think we, I threw a lot of curveballs that game too. So that was kind of their nemesis too. And it kind of worked out. And I would, I would say it did. This is a question. It could either be for you or Evan, probably maybe even more so Evan. I, a lot was made about the lights in Bandy Stadium, Evan. And I got to ask you, man, as a former outfielder, is there any truth to that, man? Man, I, I, I do think so. I think that there are times where um, outfielders can kind of get a little – you know, zoned out of the game, I guess, whenever not a lot of action's going and then a, a fly ball can surprise them. Um, but but personally, it's never happened to me. Um, but, you know, uh, a guy, the right fielder missed the ball by 40 yards is what the he announcers did. Um, did. Clearly, and was not able to see it. So we're, I, both uh, of, we're both of them in the same inning that they missed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the question, though, this just speaks to – and I'm not – obviously, Corbin is a phenomenal coach. I'm not taking anything away from him. But Tony V said he, he kind of tackled that with you guys before the game with the outfielders. He said he was hitting them as far up as he could up into the lights. And he talked about, it, you know, kind of that dust-to-dark thing more than the lights. But, man, how would you feel if they just installed all these fancy LEDs at, Tennessee, at Lindsey Nelson and then they were the reason you couldn't catch a fly ball? I could, it couldn't be me, Evan. It couldn't be me. Yeah, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if they were too happy about that one. Um, because, you know, at the end of the game, you can look back and say that those fly balls meant a lot, and I'm sure they did. But, um, you know, they, de they definitely had plenty of chances to uh, capitalize on some of their base runners, and, you know, our pitching staff was really good. So, um, you know, mistakes will happen, but um, it, it felt like a sense of um, defeat was in their dugout after, you know, a couple of those balls were, were misplaced. Well, Gilbert got one to about the similar location the next inning and seemed to have no trouble. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not biting on it. But I did, <laughs> but I did want to say to you, Drew, you know, in regards to the Vanderbilt game, um, you know, uh, I've had to deal with it on TV for years. Had to deal with it last year in Omaha. The Vandy Whistler, man, uh, he's obnoxious, and I just want to tell you, you're like a hero to me because he had nothing to whistle about. He was done after like <laughs> the first inning, and. When I can go through a whole Vanderbilt game and not have to hear that guy, you're the man. So I appreciate you uh, absolutely silencing that dude. Yeah, I don't Do you think guys he even hear him much at all? I mean, I did not. I mean, he didn't have much to whistle about all weekend. So <laughs> did, mean, did you happen to hear him? Do you hear him when you're out there? When I was on the mound, I don't. I don't hear him. But in the dugout, it got pretty annoying. Dude, he it, in Omaha. It was it was so terrible, and then. And when game two and game three against Mississippi State came around after the way they bashed him, they quieted him too. And I was like, that's just – I need whoever's playing Vanderbilt to get up and get up early and then just silence that cat. Because once they're losing, he's he's out of there. So, uh, <laughs> he's the worst thing in baseball. I don't know how Vanderbilt fans can even take it. I, I, don't, I don't like it. But, anyway, uh, Evan, man, you know, going back to when I said I messaged you about Houston – 
I got to give you a shout out because I asked you for a bomb and you said you're only worried about catching, but your first at bat, you hit a bomb. So I appreciate that. Gave, <laughs> gave me, gave me some entertainment, but uh, you know, I want to ask you, you know, you got the, the Alabama series on deck, you know, um, you obviously just took this loss. It's a midweek loss. It's, you know, not a big deal. You know, y'all, I know it's a big deal to lose because you had a winning streak, but you know how it is. It's SEC is the focus. So how do you get back on track? You're a leader of this team. You know, what are you saying to the other guys? What is Coach saying getting ready for Alabama? Man, I ain't going to lie. I, uh, I was pretty mad after last night's game. Not, not on the fact that we lost. You know, losses happen. I've been a part of plenty of losses. But um, I was, I was kind of mad at how uh, our team played just especially at the end of the game, it looked like we were letting pressure get to us a little bit. Um, I don't know if it was the pressure of the big, the, you know, the big stadium, uh, pressure of the wood bats, you know, that, that stigma of us not being able to hit with. Oh, oh you know, they're, they're, they're taking that and run with it. Anybody who's a Tennessee hater right now is saying it's proof that y'all been cheating all year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's fine. But every other team knows that we check the same bats with as their teams and they can say, well, whatever we use the same bats, whatever. But you know, that narrative, I, I don't know if it was the pressure of that, uh, the pressure of us, you know, being the number one team, but um, we definitely were not playing the way that we have been playing all year. And, you know, I, I, I was trying to, I, I told some of my teammates, um, I actually told all of them today. I was like, if you expect to be humbled, you're going to be humbled. And I personally do not think that we've been playing um, arrogant on the field at all. I think we've been playing with a sense of confidence and, you know, playing hard in it. And to people that do not um, appreciate that, I think they um, can see, can sense of it or see it as a sense of arrogance. But um, I, I think if we let that get in our heads and, you know, put pressure on ourselves that we will be humbled, I think that's exactly what happens is, you know, uh, you expect bad outcomes to happen, and they happen. Well, your roommate messaged me before that loss had happened, and we were talking about, you know, Sean, uh, we were talking about how, you know, how much fun y'all are having and y'all are being villainized for it, and he brought up exactly what you did. You know, he was there just like you when y'all weren't winning, and so he's like, them boys need to have every bit of fun that they want to because they've earned that right, and so – um, the, the people who don't like what y'all do, you know, that's fine. But I do got to ask you with the loss because the chases came on here and said, when Tony V is unhappy, um, it's not fun to say the least. Uh, they, they, they said it can be downright, uh, terrible. So after that loss, did, did Tony V go that route? Um, you know, he, he kind of, um, you know, said some words after the game about how, uh, we didn't compete and he was kind of in the, the sense of you know where I was coming from too and, and he was able to communicate a little better but he was saying that um, it's not the fact that we lost it's the fact that how we played um, you know we're going to look back on this season no matter what and uh, I personally think that we have the ability to um, be in contention of one of the best teams ever um, you know that may be a stretch but I think we've got the combination of pitching staff and hitting to where that is a possibility. Obviously, we have to uh, play well in the postseason. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of goals personally to be a part of a team that can win a lot of games. You know, I'm talking about regular season up to 50 games. So, um, you know, I don't care anything about my stats um, at all. But, but whenever a team 
whenever we give away a win like that um, and we don't get beat, we kind of uh, just let them have it. That's what uh, kind of doesn't sit right. And it didn't sit right with V. And, you know, that just comes from passion of, of what he's trying to build with this program. And he doesn't want it to go back to what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, you talk about, you know, chasing history. The comparison that I keep getting, and it's not even a close comparison, and Randy will even agree with this. This is Randy last year, not a fan of them, but he kept talking about Arkansas's dominance. He was he was all about they were every bit as good as, you know, advertising. Obviously, they didn't lose the SEC series. But one of the things about it is, as we've sat here and talked about all these pitchers, they did not have pitching depth, and that's ultimately ultimately why Kevin Copps had to pitch game three of that Super Regional. We're sitting here talking about Drew Beam or Blade Tidwell. So, you know, you know who's going to be – and then we know that Halverson's coming back, and then obviously how deep the bullpen is. I think y'all are a completely different team because y'all mash the way you do, but like you said, um, y'all's pitching is so deep that the team's prior years didn't have that. So I think y'all do have a chance at chasing history, and I don't think that, you know, you're delusional for that – um, but I did have one more thing going back to the Vanderbilt thing because I almost forgot. It was a big story and a big write-up, and they were talking about it during the game. What's with you and the whistle, man? You brought your own? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, – you know, I, I kind of want everyone to be prepared for what they're going to experience. And whenever we, kept, we went my sophomore year, uh, the whistler was – you know, he was very outgoing that weekend because, you know, they had J.J. Bleday, they had – uh, Austin Martin, they had all these big time names, so they could they could barrel the ball a little bit. But um, you know, I brought the whistle, uh, and I was doing it during the Thursday night practice, just messing around with uh, some of our pitchers and stuff. And and I, I was just doing it out of fun, uh, mainly. But I also wanted them to understand, like they're going to hear that, be ready for it. And whenever you hear it, don't don't think anything of it. It's just a guy doing his thing, and uh, the real battle is between you and the hitter. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Drew, Drew Beam doesn't hear it. He, you know, he locks in and uh, it's like in a, what is that? For love of the game, clear the mechanism. You lock in, you just, you just don't even listen to it. But uh, with that, fellas, we're going to get into a game called This or That. Evan, you've played it before, but you're playing again because we got new questions. But Drew, this is the way the game works. I'll give you two options. You'll pick one or the other. You can't say neither and you can't say both. You got it? All righty. All right, so Drew, you'll answer first, Evan, or you'll go second on every question. All right, if you could only pick one, the daddy hat or the fur coat? Daddy hat. Evan? Both chases the daddy hat. Uh, I've got to go the pimp coat, man. Whenever you put that, it's warm. Which, which is interesting because I feel like Evan made that daddy hat iconic. I mean, <laughs> I've seen more pictures of Evan wearing that thing than anybody, you know, historically. And so, but I like the coat myself. What about you, Randy? You, I, I've never asked you, Randy. What do you like better? Pimp coat, baby. Pimp coat me. What, what about if you're in Omaha in June? You still want that coat or would you rather have that hat? Pimp hat. <laughs> If I hit a home run in Omaha in the World Series, bruh, give me two coats and a chain. <laughs> all right, so this next one's fun, all right, because you because your teammate Luke. What do you like better, the one-finger touch of the plate or the checking of the bat after the uh, home run? Ooh, uh, I think just because of the moment. I'm going to go the the checking the bat after the home run just because it was so – I don't know. It just, it really kind of lit our team on fire. And it was kind of, it was a cool celebration. 
And Man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the the poking on the plate, and I'll give you I'll give you a reason because we're talking about a dude that is he's 24 years old. <laughs> he he's an aerospace engineer major. There ain't a mean bone in this guy's body, and people on the opposing teams hated him touching the plate like that. And yeah, I mean, yeah. dude. That, that guy, he literally is the goofiest guy I've ever met. And, you know, people were saying, oh, you got to respect the game, you know, all this. Well, dude, <laughs> I mean, this guy is literally having the most fun time of his life. So, uh, I, mean, that, I, I love the – Yeah, that's what I find funny, man. You know, like, obviously we interview you guys, but then I've met y'all at numerous games now. And then I watch y'all not just with me, but interacting – with fans and the kids and everything. And obviously I see pictures on social media and, and events that y'all do. Like, it's funny how y'all are villainized in such a way because y'all have fun playing baseball. Y'all are all the nicest dudes in the world. Like you said, Luke's the nicest dude in the world, but right now him and Becker, you know, villain one and two. And like, everybody thinks they're the worst guys in the world. You, you thought they committed murder. You know how Dude, it I, is, man. Heavy is the I'm head that wears the crown. Exactly. But I'll be honest. I've never heard Jordan Beck even say a cuss word. <laughs> hey, yeah, you can't. I don't think you can say that about Lip though, because I think he was saying some cuss words coming around the. the he, was, he was, man. And that was the first time I'd ever in my five years of playing with him. That's the first time I've ever heard him talking crap to opposing team. It was awesome. <laughs> the, the only thing I said to Beck when I met him was, I was like, "Man, you got that hair flow going." And he goes, "You like that?" Anyway, <laughs> uh, he was he was feeling it. But you know, speaking of Beck, better bombs, Jordan Beck or Lipscomb. Ooh, I'm going to go Beck just because I, I don't think I've ever seen a ball go farther <laughs> than when Beck, like, absolutely barrels one. Yeah, I, I'm, I love my man Trey, man. He, he's playing like an MVP player, but uh, when Jordan Beck hits a man, it's a little different. That thing, uh, that thing sounds – it sounds like a bazooka. <laughs> looks well, like Thor when he's doing it too. <laughs> hey, I'll give Trey, I'll give Trey listen this though, man. He looks the best in that fur coat. Nobody rocks that thing like him. He's certified. Oh, bro, he, he looks he looks awesome. All right. Better baseball movie, the Sandlot or Rookie of the Year. Uh, I'm gonna go Sandlot just because it's I mean, that was probably one of the first baseball movies I watched I'm surprised the reason I threw rookie of the year in there and I, and I, this came from the last episode I put in there I thought because y'all were pitchers y'all might take rookie of the year but apparently I mean Sandlot's king to us as well but I thought maybe just because y'all are pitchers y'all might be feeling Henry Rowan Gardner what about you Adam? <laughs> man I'm a I'm gonna pick the Sandlot and uh after I watched it it kind of had me wanting to get you know go to a swimming pool and 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 fake <laughs> drowning uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I got to go with the Sandlot. Imagine that coming out when you were a kid, like me and Jim. We did go to the pool and fake like you were drowning. <laughs> yeah. The you only know, problem was that none of them looked like Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, you know, Randy, we talked about it. We we actually drew – we had an episode where we did uh, – we were picking best sports movies. And one of the things we talked about with in regards to Sandlot – Benny got away in a PG movie with cussing numerous times and being like the coolest kid in the world. And like, nobody thought twice about it. Right. Like, that's, what's funny. We're talking about how y'all are villain us. Benny was like the coolest kid ever and did like bad things and, and nobody, you know, batted than I. He was the coolest thing ever. So that's, what's funny about it. All right. So this next question and man, guys, I got a different perspective after going to watch y'all in Houston, but I'm going to see what y'all say first is a hot dog, a sandwich. 
No. I I don't have an explanation. I just you don't I, need I, one. You don't, you don't right. need one. I think it is. I'm gonna have right. an explanation for you after Evan says no. Dude, I, no, no, no. I think I think it might be. It look. Let me tell you. I was a no guy, and then when I went to the Shriners Classic, they had a hot dog sandwich there, and I actually had it while I was watching you guys. It was that that first game um, on Friday. Anyway, that thing was phenomenal. So now I'm convinced. Now Randy and Daniel try to discredit it because. They basically took two hot dogs and they cut them, they split them in half. So it's four hot dogs across bread. So it's not your typical bun, but it was still a hot dog and it was a hot dog sandwich and it's delicious. So oh, therefore, once you cut it in half, it's no longer a hot dog. Nope. It's a, it's a sandwich. I don't care what anybody says, even Drew Bean. That's, I'm going to say that's, if it's on a hot dog bun, it's not a sandwich. But if you put it on two slices of bread, it's a sandwich. <laughs> Look, hey, Brooks Lee from Cal Poly came on here and said, you know, when you grow up broke and the buns are already broken half, it's already two pieces <laughs> of bread. So it's a sandwich. So. <laughs> so anyway, next question, Drew, is the glass half full or is it half empty? Half full. You always got to think positive. I'm, I'm man. What about you, Evan? Uh, I want to go. I want to go half full. Um, I'm going to do the cliche answer, half full. You know, but you don't believe it. I mean, there's not half empty. Is nothing wrong. That means you're just wanting to fill up the glass more. That's all that is. No, I don't believe yeah, that answer, no, Evan. Evan thinks it's half empty. I can feel it in his soul. Yeah, I, I think I think I might change my answer to half empty. I mean, that's if I was. If I was looking at a cup and there was half water in it, I would be complaining about, you know, where, where's the rest of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All I'm right. with you, Drew. It's half full to me, man. No, it's half empty to me. I'm on the other side. But I'm a pessimist. So, anyways, would you rather be the funniest guy in the room or the smartest guy in the room? I'm going to go funniest because that's – I don't know. I just feel like Chad Dallas once Chad Dallas once told us if you're the funniest guy in the room, you'll find a way to make money. I really don't know how that made sense, but I, I went with it. It does. <laughs> just because Cheese said it. That's the only reason yeah. you're saying that. You don't need an explanation. <laughs> my first thought, my first thought immediately went to money. So uh, I would I would definitely go to the smartest. Um, but I, that is coming from Chad Dallas. He is probably the funniest guy to ever, you know, be in the locker room. No doubt. Yeah, but if you're the if you're the funniest, I mean, you can be a comedian. You make money that way. That's, that's exactly right. what he. That's exactly what he said verbatim. <laughs> y'all, y'all be uh, studying these lab, previous episodes. I see you, Drew. You listen to us. I got you. No. Um, <laughs> all right. So, 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 Evan. I can't wait to hear you when you get around to you. This is a new one uh, for sure that has became very popular. But starting with you, Drew, would you rather do 10 years in a coma or five years in prison? Five years in prison, 100%. I mean, Why are you going to lie to us, Drew, right here on this episode? Like, I don't want to be jail? 10 years. Just, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can I mean, work out, get jacked. I mean, yeah, it'd suck you in jail. <laughs> Drew, you're way, Drew, you're way too pretty to be in prison, brother. I get it, but like, I mean, that's ten years. You're just sitting there in a coma, like you're not. I mean, all right, hold up, hold up. We're not talking about Rutherford County Jail here. Look, we're talking like Parchment, dog. I mean, 
Hey, my man wants jail. Let, 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 let him be. Hey, you know what? A lot of, a lot of people prison. say jail. But, Evan, you taking the nap, it sounds like. Yeah, no, dude, I, you can wake me up in 10 years, bro. That's I, 10 uh, years wasted of your life. I mean, that's facts. Well, man, after, after what they do to you in prison, you're a different person. <laughs> well, different well, look, I, I've heard a couple. Look, I'll give you all two different answers that we've gotten from two different athletes that's really made it hard for me. So we had a, a, a top 10 Bellator fighter on here who's been to prison say that he would take the coma. So when a guy who can fight that good and is that badass doesn't want uh, jail. Uh, hold up, though. Y'all know why this man said he would not go back to jail? He said the food was trashed. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, Quintavious Burdett came on here talking about the 10 years in a coma, and he said he wouldn't want to do that because he wouldn't want his friends and family to see him just laying there like that for 10 years. So I was like, hmm. I was like, all right, so I got the Bellator guy saying no jail. I got the other guy telling me, thinking friends and family going to watch me. It, that's, that's why you can't say neither or both because it's a terrible question that you have to answer, but you have to answer it nonetheless. But this next question, I was only going to ask Drew, but I'm going to ask you again, Evan, because I'm going to see if you change your mind from the last time I asked you. But I'm, I'm going to start with you, Drew. Would you rather be the first pick in the MLB draft, but the caveat was you had to cut all your friends loose, or be the last pick and you can keep all your friends? I, I got to go with the last pick. I mean, that's pick, picking money over your friends, but I mean, yeah, I mean, being the first pick, that's I don't know. Like that's I mean, I mean, you guess you can make new friends. Hell yeah, Evan, you can. Evan, Evan, where are we at these days? <laughs> bro, give me my money. <laughs> give me my money, bro. I love my friends, but heck no. Morally, morally, I don't wanna I don't wanna take the money over my friends, but then like I do first pick, you're going like I mean, <laughs> you're talking about millions of dollars. So I, I mean no. It, I mean it's been split each episode. So Dolander said friends, Burns said money, uh Blade Blade said money and Haverson said friends. So I mean all y'all been that split down the line. Me at all. Yeah. Listen, oh, listen oh. I got I got heartburn though with the way that uh Dolander answered his, right? He said that he was gonna take his friends over his money and all this other stuff. Then I brought up the fact I'm like you can better your situation, right? He's like, Yeah. I said, Well, think about what you did. You started at Georgia Southern, you go to a better situation. Now them dudes don't even talk to you no more. So you chose, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't I do not. I do not believe that either one of them would take that, bro. If you hey, gave them the money, no. Oh, Chase no. Burns didn't even hesitate. He said, "My money, give me the bag." Well, both those last two questions are different. When you put the bag in front of you, that changes things, and when you're actually behind bars, that changes things. So, oh, yeah. both, both those will change your perspective. It's like you have a moral answer, and then you start thinking about it. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> out the window. Yeah, I don't have morals. Maybe it's my age, but I'm taking money. I'm dropping Jim DB, <laughs> dropping my mama's, whatever. I, I, I pick you up on the other side. <laughs> but, guys, you've been great. Evan, is there anything you want to plug or promote before we let you go? Man, I've, uh, I've got some new deals since I, last time I was on the show. But uh, my, my company, Weigel's, that I'm working with, you know, it's the gas station in Knoxville. They've got the, the hot dogs, the pizza. Um, I'm also working with – uh crockett creek beef jerky um it, it's a great snack and a whimsy whimsy cookies in knoxville every time i hit a homer uh you get a free cookie so uh if you're listening if you're tuning in you know hit up hit up my places in knoxville for for some good food look at our man killing it hey 
Absolutely. And if you're interested in signing on Evan Russell to an NIL deal, email info at bridgemanagegroup.com. Yes, sir. <laughs> Look at my right. man, Randy. I see you, Randy. My man's working. That's right. That's right. Drew, anything you want to plug or promote? I am new to this. So, you know, anybody listening, they want to, you, you know, you want to bring something up to me. I'm down for anything. But you got any golf courses listening? I, I'll, I'll do something for some free golf. So, and <laughs> if you want to reach out to Drew Beam, it is at Drew Beam underscore on Instagram. Yep. And Evan Russell, I don't think I said it. It's at Evan Russell underscore three. Those guys, it's been great. Like I said, reach out to Evan. Get my man Drew some free golf. Get him some NIL deals, baby. Let's get him going. Undefeated. ERA like one. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. If you like hearing us average Joes talking X's and O's, please like and share us on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Comments and feedback are welcome. And as always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.